started this morning. The, uh, the issue of dating the birth of the Lord is, um, and this time of year, is a great thing. And uh, the, the key to dating the birth of Christ really is looking at the announcement and birth of his forerunner, John the Baptist. And when you think about that and when you look at that and you consider that information, then there's no question on Facebook this past month, earlier in the month, one of the Christian sites or pages that I kind of keep an eye on from time to time, the question was asked, was Christ born in on December 25th? And I read the the little article and it was useless, but I read the comments because that's really, right, here's what people are thinking. And one of the comments was by somebody who said, unfortunately, we can never know when he was born. And I just typed back, yes, you can read Luke 1. And that's all I said. And then it blew up. So I usually don't, you know, get involved. I just read and, you know, and, and, I, and I gave them the link to the website or to the YouTube and everything. But anyway, I, haven't, I, don't follow, I don't pay much more attention. But the fact that we can know from Scripture is a great thing. And the reason that script, that's why we have Scripture, because he fills in the gaps and it helps us with information. And Galatians 4, verse number 4, is kind of where we like to start. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. When the fullness of time. So when the Lord was born was right on the time schedule. You go back to Daniel 9, and you, you've got, in verse 24 to 26, you've got the, the time schedule, the 69 weeks, the 70 weeks of Daniel. And right on the time schedule is when he was born. And if you think about 69 weeks, and those are weeks of years, so you got 483 years. Well, they know that according to Daniel 9, go, go back there to Daniel 9. Let's just look at it quickly here. Daniel 9, and, and we've done this study in, in our other uh, lessons and stuff. So Daniel 9, it's an interesting thing how they can figure this out. Daniel 9, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Verse 25, know, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, under the, and that, now that's Nehemiah 2, okay, and that's the, the, the decree there by the king, and that's in uh, 445 B.C., roughly, Unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. So that's a total of 69 weeks. It's going to take them seven years, or I'm sorry, it's going to take them seven weeks to get everything done, and then 62 more weeks to, to, to get out. Uh, the street shall be built again, and the wall, and even in troublous times. And notice, in verse, I'm in verse 26, the word after. After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. So after the 62 weeks is over, what's going to happen? Calvary. All right? Isaiah 53 says the cutting off there is Calvary. So they know that the Lord is going to be their king, their prophet, and their priest. They know, you go back and look at the priest's age, how old are they when they go into ministry? 30. 
Okay, they actually they start in 25 at the age of 25. They're trained for five years, and then at 30, they're released in the public uh, service. And by the way, from 30 to 50 is public service. At 50, they retire and become the trainers, the teachers, and then they do that till they're uh, till they really till they die. But the issue is, is at 30, what is he going to do? public ministry. So if 69 weeks is here, 483 years, then they can do what? They could back that up 30 years at least. And then now they're within a five-year plan here. If they go back 25 years, then now they're starting to look for him a little early because literally when he died, he was 33 and a half. 30 years old, he starts his ministry. He works three and a half years and he's, and he's dead, there. he goes to Calvary. But you back it up, and again, playing with time and scripture and what, how we think about, how Gentiles think about time, you kind of have to, there's going to be some wiggle room in here, if you will. So what could they do? Based on the timeline, they would know, okay, here's, here's where we're at. It's, we're getting close to the end of this 483 years here. So he's got to be coming. That's how Simon, or Simeon, however you want to say his name, you know, my, my correctors, and Anna knew to be in the temple. They weren't sitting in the temple for all their life waiting. They're like, wait a minute, we're, they got the calendars out, they got the map, and they go, hey, here it is. So when the fullness of time was come, again, he comes right on schedule. The Father sends him, so he's coming the right way. He's made of a woman. And he's made under the law. And so when you come to Luke 1, we see in Luke 1 now an account here by Luke. And the account is going to be the information needed to really identify and to, to really acknowledge and date the birth of Christ. When the Messiah was born. Luke 1, verse 1, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So there's an account here. There's some eyewitnesses here. Now watch Luke. It seemed good to me also. That also, this accounts have been going. People have been giving their accounts of what they've been seeing. And he says, it's good for me also, having had perfect understanding of all things. From the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mayest know the certainty of these thing, those things, wherein thou hast been instructed. Luke says, you know what? We got an eyewitness account. I'm going to go re-interview the eyewitnesses, and I'm going to get the information down here. And we're going to make it, and the Holy Spirit, working through Luke, goes and he writes out the information. By the way, come over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, just so you see how Luke worked. Look at verse 19. 219. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them where? That verse is nowhere else in the Gospels. It's only right there. Because what do the ladies do to, with their doctor? They tell things they don't tell anybody else. 
he was able to get some information out of Mary that no one had ever heard from. And you know what? You're, you're reading it in Luke 1. You're reading it in Luke 2. He was able to go and interview Mary. Now go back to Luke 1 and pull out from Mary information that really none of the other gospel writers, none of the other historians of the day got from her. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Luke 1, 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Here's the dad and mom of John the Baptist, okay? Zacharias and Elizabeth, they are of, they are priests, they're Levites. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course... According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went in to the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So we got some information here. We've got him in his course of, of Abiah. And it's called a course. And this is the course of the burning of incense. This is where he's at. This, what is he doing? He's burning the incense. What are the people outside doing? They're praying, waiting for what? The incense to be burnt. Okay? So we're going to have some timing marks here given to us. We're going to have some information handed to us that, again, Bible study helps you get going. Now, watch the issue here, the order of his course. So... Abiah just didn't happen whenever Zacharias got the need to feel, you know what, I should, you know, this past week I told Linda, I said, I need, I, sh I need to go to church. I, got, I need to be up here. And she's like, okay. Well, that was just, I felt that way. Zacharias didn't have this feeling. Zacharias, right there on Abiah, and it's time, he goes, he does, he's done, he leaves. He doesn't just get the itch to go up to the temple and work, okay? These guys are very regimented. The order of his course is going to help us tremendously. Now, come back, if you will, to 1 Chronicles 24. And let's nail this down. 1 Chronicles 24. In 1 Chronicles 24, we're, th this issue here is key. This is really the key, is identifying when these courses start, because then it's going to lay out everything else. In 1 Chronicles 24, verse 1, now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron, Nabab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. But Nabab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eleazar and Ithamar executed the priest's office. So Aaron had four boys that were to divide up the calendar of service, but two boys died. You know, it happened, you know, the earth opened up and swallowed them. But now you have Ithar, Ith, Eleazar and Ithamar, but they don't have an equal number of children, of men, of boys. So verse 3, and David distributed them both, Zadok of the sons of Eleazar and 
Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar according to their offices in their services. And there were more chief men found of the sons of Eleazar than of the sons of Ithamar, and thus were they divided. Among the sons of Eleazar there were 16 chief men of the house of their fathers, and eight among uh, the sons of Ithamar according to the house of their fathers. So what, what do we have? We have, a, we have an, an equal number here, don't we? So David, King David, lays out, he divides out the, the, the priestly duties equitably so that they couldn't come and say, you're in there twice as many as I am, and, you know, sibling rivalry. They couldn't do that. Every, the king declared it, and here it is. Verse 5, thus were they divided by lot, one sort with another for the governors, and off you go. Now drop down. Uh, to verse 7. Now the first lot came forth. You see that first lot? And then the second lot, third lot, fourth lot, fifth lot, sixth lot, verse 10, seventh. Ver now the eighth to a who? Abiah. So he's the eighth from the beginning. He's in the eighth course from when temple service starts. He's eight weeks after Passover. Their temple calendar starts with Passover. Come over to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12. Exodus 12. Notice, notice how this kind of, this really all fits together. Look at Exodus 12 and verse 12. Exodus 12 uh, well, actually, Exodus 12, uh, 1. The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So they have a month that begins their year. All right, chapter 13. Exodus 13. Exodus 13. Verse 3, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of the hands of the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month Abib. So what's their month that starts their calendar? Abib. Abib, Abib. Okay. Now come over to Luke, or Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. So their first, their first month is Abib. But Abib's got 30 days in it. Remember, calendar, a prophetic calendar is 30 days. Well, Leviticus 23. Notice, if you will, verse 5. Verse 4, these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim. Notice, in their seasons, in their courses, when it's time, this is what you're going to do. And he gives them their feast schedule. Verse 5, in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. So Abib 14 is when Passover starts. Okay? Verse 
6, just on, and on the 15th day of the month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So Passover is on the 14th, and then unleavened bread starts the 15th and runs. So Passover, 14th day, no matter what day of the week the 14th of, April, of Abib falls on, what is it? Passover. Well, it's Wednesday. Doesn't matter. It's Passover. Then unleavened bread's going to start where? Thursday. And then, but what's Saturday? Sabbath. That's why when the Lord dies, you've got that Sabbath, the whole, you got Passover as a day off, then you got a holy convocation. If you keep reading there on the 15th day, they do no work. And then you've got the Sabbath day. You know, you got all this jumbled in there, right? All right, that's why everybody gets confused about the death of Christ. My point is, is on the 14th of Abib, what's going to happen? Passover, so what happens on the 15th? Course number one. The, by the way, who goes into the temple on Passover? Do you know? The only, only one guy, the high priest, the chief priest. Remember, he goes in, he's got the rope tied on him and the bell and all that stuff, and if he keels over, they can drag him out because nobody's in or into the holy, okay? Fourteenth, that's course number one. Now, Abib is our April. In the New Testament, it moves to, you'll see, Nisan. This equals our April. Now, if you think about what happens in our, in our calendar in April, springtime. Israel is leaving Egypt, and he says, the Lord says, there's my firstborn, new life, boom. What do we have in April? Springtime. Uh, what is it? May showers bring April flowers, or April showers bring May flowers, whatever. You know, you, where I'm from, and when I was growing up in Chicago, it was April snow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't no showers, it was snow. But the, ish, the thing is, is so on the 14th day of April is Passover. So now we're going to more, so again, you got to kind of think about the calendar. So we're going to hedge a little bit, okay? So instead of saying the 14th, because that's Passover, when would the first course have started? On the 15th, see? So we're going to kind of give a little wiggle room in this. By the way, in the, in the second and third and fourth century, when the, when the kings and the popes didn't like the calendar, you know what they did? They just adjusted it. The, problem, the thing is, is they never adjusted the Jewish calendar. Because there it is on the Word of God, on the page, see. They did it in the secular, and that's where we think about calendar and so forth. So come back with me to Leviticus, I'm sorry, Luke 1. So the month in which Israel, of the calendar for Israel, it starts with Abib. And again, that's Hebrew. Abiah is going to be the Greek, obviously, and those, those move into our March, April, April. So with Passover beginning on the 14th day of April, if you will, then Zacharias's course would be eight weeks later. So that would put him where? 
Well, it would be mid-June, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, mid-June. Again, the wiggle room. I can't, you can't nail this, you know, wiggle. You know, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. The wiggles. Okay. Luke 1, verse 11. Luke 1, 11. And there appeared unto him, and this is, again, Zacharias, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, just real quick, that's fascinating. Because angels in Israel go back since the beginning. They have interaction all the time. But now when Gabriel showed up, what did Zacharias do? He didn't go up there and say, hey, how you doing? Let's, you know, what's up? What's up, doc? He has what? Fear and trembling. He's troubled. Why is that? Well, for 400 years, God has not spoken to mankind. He has not used a, an angel. You go and look at Amos 8 and Micah 3 and Isaiah 40 and Malachi 3, and guess what? He says there's going to be a famine in the land, and it's going to be of my word. That's why you have the writing prophets, five ma the ma majors and the minors. Why? Write this down in a book because I'm going to be silent because of Israel's unbelief. And in Isaiah, that's Amos 8 and Micah 3. In Isaiah 40, he said, yeah, but one, there's going to be a, mess, a crier in the wilderness come. In Malachi 3, there's going to be a, a guy going to show up, and he's going to pronounce, here comes the Messiah. So verse 13, by the way, Zacharias, what would you do if you hadn't heard from an angel in over 400 years, and all of a sudden one showed up and said, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Hello, you'd be a little troubled too. You'd fall out dead probably or faint from whatever. Verse 13, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And, the, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him, who? The Lord, their God, in the spirit and power of Elias, that's Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Notice what the angel says. You're going to... Zacharias has been obviously praying for what? A boy to carry on the name. Well, what Elizabeth is barren. She can't have children. So what's Gabriel say? You're going to have a kid. So, Zacharias, verse 18, And Zacharias said unto the Lord, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee glad tidings. That ought to have been enough. You know, hey, I'm sent from God. I'm Gabriel. I'm who I, you know, <laughs> the word of God is speaking to you. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak unto the day that these things shall be performed 
because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled, notice, in their season. Fullness of time, right on schedule. So Zacharias, he gets a sign. The sign comes from his unbelief of Gabriel's word, the word of God. That, By the way, that tells you what Gabriel is doing, that he is the head of the ambassador corps, thus speaks God. He led that group. So when Gabriel showed up, who, who should Zacharias know? Uh-oh, here comes God. <laughs> here comes the word of God. But he didn't. He doubted it. Now watch verse, well, 21. Just, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. So what did he do? He's burning incense in his week. Right? He sees Gabriel. Gabriel talks to him. Says, hey, you're going to go home. You're going to have a kid. John, you're going to name him John. And John's going to be the announcer of the Lord, the Messiah. On whose authority do I know that that's going to accurately happen? Well, guess what? You can't speak. Who's waiting outside? The people are. What are they waiting to do? Prayer for the incense. It's time to... Do. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. What did he do? He goes out there and they're like, you okay, John? Are you okay, Zacharias? You know, he's doing the old sign language bit. And what do they understand him to have seen? They, he's got something going. There's something happening. You see, the people are very well aware of something is special is happening. Something different is going on. There's something here that isn't the norm. Because what has the norm been? Zacharias is an old man. If he entered public service at 30, and he's at least in his sixth, you know, late 50s, early 60s here, okay, what do you, th- you know, because they retire him out in their 50 to 60, and what what do you think he's, what did, he's seen 30 years of Go in, do this, do that. Now all of a sudden you tarried and you can't speak to us. And oh, by the way, the calendar says it's co- he's coming and it should be around in here soon. He, verse 23, he departed to his own house. His course is up. So where does he go? He goes home, doesn't he? Now, if you draw your eye across the page to verse 39, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. So evidently, he lives outside. No, it doesn't tell you what city it is. It just says a city of Judah. Or you could say, well, Judah, because it's not spelled J-U-D-A-H or, you know, how, you know, that's the city. Either way, where is it? It's in the hill country. He can't Uber. He can't get Lyft to come and pick him up. He's walking it. He's a priest. They don't have the best camels in town. They're, you know, they're in the used car market. He's walking. So if he goes mid-January... Eight weeks, and we're and if we use the fifteenth through, 
what would seven days be? 15, 16, 15, 16 17, 18, 19, 20. 21. Thank you. I can't add. Seven and five is 22, so I knew that was wrong. Okay. Because it's not seven. It's really. Anyway, uh, all right. Give him his days are up. Give him three days to get home. He's got to get out of town. He's outside of Jerusalem. He's got to get out of town. So let's say he gets home the 23rd to the 25th, 24th, right in there. Okay? Give him some time to get home. Now watch verse 24. And after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Now, John the Baptist was a, John's birth and conception was a miracle. It just didn't have the divine instrument involved because Zacharias knew Elizabeth. Now, could you imagine that conversation when he got home? They've been trying all these years, you know, figured it out, it's, there's something. And he comes home and goes, hey, hon, guess what? <laughs> You know, I saw Gabriel. She goes, no, you didn't. What you been drinking, boy? You know, no, I saw Gabriel. This is what he said. And so we have to go and to, to, the, to the marriage bed. You know, and you say, what? You dirty old man. What are you doing? You know, you can just imagine the conversation. Hey, don't look at me like that. <laughs> What's that? And it was all written. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. He can't speak still. Exactly. So, but who, what's going to happen? What does she know happens, verse 25? She's conceived. That's going to happen, not, now we're at what, late June. And she hides herself five months. Now watch verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Notice she doesn't question the word. She questions what does this mean? See? And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, now watch, she hath, what's that next word? Also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. 
for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Notice how the angel says, you're going to conceive, this is how it's going to happen. And also Elizabeth has conceived, but where are we? We're six months later, aren't we? So what's six months from late June? Now we're in late December, aren't we? We're in this 23rd to 25th area. You know, again, wiggle room's fine. So what happened late December? This is conception, isn't it? Conception. This is John the Baptist. Now, you can do the 290 days and all that other wonderful things. We'll just stick with Scripture, okay? So what happens in late December? Mary's visited, and she conceives. Verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country of the, with haste into, the, into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluteth Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in the womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice, saying, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Look at what Elizabeth, I mean, she instantly, there's what? Instant recognition of Mary and who Mary carries as being the Lord. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, and the babe leaped in my womb, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, now Mary, we're not going to read, well, you can read that passage there, where she literally says, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and she magnifies the Lord. Verse 56, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Three months later, we're going to have the birth, John the Baptist's birth. Three months later, which would be late what? Late March, okay? I just like doing that, 23 to 25, just wiggle, okay? Late March, verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father, and his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake, loosed, and, he spake and praised God. And he goes down through the rest of this chapter telling everybody what his son's going to do, what John the Baptist is going to do. Okay? What is he going to do? 
he's going to be the proclaimer. If you look at verse 66, And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, And he just, boom, here's who, here's who my boy's going to announce. You see? So in late December, or late December, the conception of the Lord happens. Late March, John the Baptist is born. Chapter 2 of Luke. Chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. By the way, when you do the historical looks through that, and you go back and you look and you read Philo and Josephus and the ancient writings of the fathers and stuff, this happens according to the calendar about 4 B.C. Or, uh, yeah, about 4 B.C. Okay, they have, you know, again, the wiggle room in the calendars, is a, it's just very interesting. I was reading Usher uh, a couple months ago uh, and Usher's writings and stuff, and it's just fascinating how these guys can go in and decipher this stuff out and figure it. And I'll be honest with you, I'll trust them to do it, you know, because you know the honesty of their heart in doing it. Um, verse 6. Uh, anyway, verse th 3. And all went to be, t by, by the way, the Caesar Augustus and, and verse 2, and the taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And you'll hear people argue, well, that you can't find these guys. You have to remember, Herod, Caesar, Caesar Augustus, Cyrenius, those are like what we would say president. That's a title. That's a name. There's different Herods. The Herod over here that kills the Lord is a different Herod that deals with Paul later. They're different, but they carry that title, Herod. They carry the title. So don't let someone pull that, try to pull that over you. You can find this guy. Verse five, 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So here's the Lord. The conception, late December. Nine months later, we're late September, time-wise. She goes and visits Mary. Mary's at six months. She's at three months. Three months late, Mary delivers. March, April, May, June, you know, boom, you just do it down. Six more months. Late September... What's happening? Well, they're up getting taxed, and they're in Bethlehem, which is where they need to be. And what happens? The Lord is born. Verse 8. 
And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night, by night. If you think about the geography and the meter, uh, the weather, our weather is very similar to Israel in that territory. What's happening in, in, in December here? What happened this past? Rain, it's cold. You don't have the sheep out in the field. You got them up, you know, down in the bottom 40, the little warmer area, okay? But what about September? September in the evenings here are beautiful. They're wonderful. You're out. So weather-wise, they're not going to be in the field in December. By the way, what are you usually doing in December with sheep? Feeding them, taking care of them, keep, getting them fat and the wool's growing. These guys aren't. They're out tending to them. Verse 21, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of, so now where are we? Now we're up, and in late September is where the birth of Christ happens. The key to it, the key to dating it, is John the Baptist family. What happens with John the Baptist and them. So the real miracle that happened in late December wasn't his birth, it's the conception. Now, if the adversary, who's well aware of what's transpiring, what would he do to cover up the real miracle? Remember? Take the truth, just get it off one little notch. So the real miracle wasn't the conception, it's the what? It's the birth. That's what the adversary would have what? The populace believe. So let's just shift it. So over history, you've got the winter solstice, you've got all this stuff coming in, religion and adjustments. But the thing about his birth is it's a normal, natural birth. How do you know that? Verse 21, what'd they do in eight days? They went and circumcised him. Why in the world would they have to circumcise the Lord if it was a miracle in his birth? Don't you think he'd have come out circumcised, ready to go? No. He's made under the law. He's got to go through it. Her days of purification have to go, have to do. Why? Because it's natural. It's normal. Okay? So the dating of the birth of Christ, come over to 2 Corinthians 9. The dating of the birth of Christ has to do with understanding when Zacharias is in the temple and then working it down. And listen, if you want to say, oh, it's really this or that, as, that's fine. Just know he wasn't born in December. He's born later, September of the next year. Okay? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. There he is. There's Calvary. Can't have Calvary unless you have what? A birth. And I said it last week. I'll say it again. While the world celebrates his birth, we really celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. We celebrate that. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction here. 
that helps us understand that the real, real miracle in the late December was the conception, not your birth. And the real miracle, again, was your resurrection. And we appreciate that, and we rejoice in that, and we're thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen.